Good afternoon. I'm Chris Clark with the Georgia Chamber of Commerce, and I want to thank you for joining our Resiliency Roundtable this week. We've got a great panel um, for a discussion about what's happening in economic development at the local level and the state level. Uh, and so we're excited to have some great friends with us today on the call, and uh, we want to get to them in just a minute. For those of you um, that are familiar with our roundtables, thank you for being part of, of this one. I want to remind you that tomorrow we have one of our town hall meetings where we'll have morning consult on to talk about consumer confidence and the things that your business can do to help make people and your employees more comfortable when you come back to work. I'd also encourage you to continue to go to the Georgia Chamber uh, COVID-19 webpage for the latest updates on PPP. Uh, and the governor's executive orders. Um, I also uh, want to take a moment and uh, address the um, protests and the issues that we've been facing as a, as a state and a country. Uh, and now, quite frankly, you're seeing it around the world over the last few days. Uh, the chamber will, uh, a little bit later today, issue a full statement. Uh, we're doing that in partnership with the Atlanta Black Chambers as well as the Greater Georgia Black Chamber of Commerce. And I won't read you the whole the whole uh, statement, uh, we'll send that to you. But I do want to read uh, 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 the last couple of paragraphs here. You know, our chambers, meaning those three chambers, are firmly committed to a better Georgia that is more tolerant. We will advocate for the passage of the hate crimes legislation, but we also understand that this alone is not enough. We need the faith community, neighbors, business leaders to facilitate a broader, deeper discussion because we cannot simply legislate our way out of a 400-year-old problem. This issue deserves conversation and empathy, not clicks and emojis. We, as the chambers, will be part of a dialogue that does not fear honest and sincere discussion about race or equality, one that builds an authentic and solid foundation for future generations. We will build a better Georgia that includes rather than excludes and that continues to anchor Georgia as a premier talent destination that is open and accepting of all. Nothing less than genuine equality and willing tolerance can be considered success because we cannot be a state that celebrates diversity while ignoring disparity. And so we will uh, put that out in a more formal context a little bit later this afternoon. We're also asking our committees for a more robust uh, description of how we move forward and how we lead those dialogues in our communities and our businesses and for the state of Georgia. So for those of you that care about uh, these issues and would like to be part of our discussion and a real dialogue about race inequality, I ask that you reach out to us and join us and be part of the solution as we move forward. So uh, thank you for letting me address that. So moving back to Resiliency and Recovery. Today we have with us uh, Misty Martin, uh, who is the CEO of the Econ of, um, Cherokee Office of Economic Development. Uh, Jana Dyke, who is employed and the Executive Director of the Waycross and Ware County Development Authority. Uh, Chris Pumphreys, who's Executive Director of the Douglas County Exec Economic Development Authority and Commissioner Pat Wilson of the Georgia Department of Economic Development. So we couldn't have four people that better understand economic growth, the impact of COVID-19 around the state. Uh, these four men and women, I think everyone on the call, if you, if you know them, know that they have a heart for service, for leading, and for job creation in the state, and we're better for their work every single day. And so what I want to do is give them all an opportunity to tell a little bit about what's happening in their community with economic development. And we'll start with Misty and then go to Jana and then Chris, and then let the commissioner talk a little bit about where we are uh, from uh, an economic development standpoint in the state. And 
I'll just, Misty, I'll, I'll tee it up for you this way. I was describing to uh, a reporter last week that 10 years ago when we went into the recession, uh, we had, we weren't a strong economy as a state. We were building a strong economy, we weren't there, uh, but we're in a much different position now. We do have a strong economy because of the work of Pat and all you and Governor Kemp uh, for the last several years and for what Governor Deal did before that. We're in a much different position than we were but we still have an incredibly difficult road ahead and a huge impact on all of our businesses. And so I feel better about where we are today than where we were 10 years ago. There's a lot of work to do. So Misty, kick us off and tell us about what you guys are doing in Cherokee and what the world looks like from your pers perspective. Thank you, Chris. Um, hello, Georgia colleagues. Um, I appreciate the Georgia Chamber letting us be part of this program today. And as Chris said, I'm with the Cherokee Office of Economic Development, promoting Cherokee and its five cities. And um, we represent two economic development authorities and a 501c3 public-private called Cherokee by Choice. And I'm going to share my, uh-oh, maybe y'all let me share my screen. Let's see. Well, we'll keep rolling. I'll try it again in a minute. Um, since we probably have a lot of economic developers on the call, it's safe to say that each of our economic development offices are a little different than the other. So I thought I'd give a brief background on our strategy, which has three main goal areas. Um, first is comprehensive economic development. And that's exactly what you think it, it is. Traditional ED activities, recruitment, retention, expansion. Obviously, we've been spending a lot of time supporting our existing industries. We have aerospace and automotive clusters, which obviously have been hit hard, but we also have medical device, household goods, and construction sector projects that are growing and hiring. And um, one of the other areas in this comprehensive economic development goal is building our business brand. And not only is Cherokee by Choice the name of our nonprofit, but it's also our brand platform. And being Metro Atlanta's fastest growing county, but with a challenge of a 78% out commute, we continue to work diligently to become more self-sustaining and be a community that is truly live, play, and work and not just a, a bedroom community. And maybe also a little different than some of the EDOs, we focus on film and entrepreneurship. Our second goal area is talent development. I know we're all working on that too. The current and future workforce is the foundation that crosses all of our efforts. And whether it's awareness for the skilled trades or as we like to call them, the skilled professions, um, or our high school internship program, which by the way, Shauna Mercer from our office has been able to pull off even during a pandemic. Um, we are locking step with our school district and that solid partnership is from great leadership of our Cherokee Workforce Collaborative. Molly Mercer, our film project manager, works with all the film teachers at the six high schools to offer connections to the film industry and uh, recently offered a, a webinar with some of the best location managers and scouts um, during the shelter in place. So we had students from all across Georgia tune in to, to hear from the experts. Um, and lastly, um, our third goal, product and infrastructure development. We all know that we can't expand our businesses or recruit without having a place to do it. So we've been working with private developers to construct spec buildings and flex space, space options across the county. And we also recently completed a technology infrastructure study, um, which was ended up being very timely. Um, we concluded that in February and tech projects, including data centers are a target for us. And so that's good information for us to have since those projects are still very active. Um, all right, I'm gonna try to 
share my screen again. Let's see if it works. Okay. Can y'all see that? Um, so I, this is um, part of our Cherokee by Choice brand, but what I really want to focus on now is where the rubber meets the road. And I decided to pull a few of my favorite quotes from my bulletin board at my desk that are great reminders for me when I need to take a breath and focus on the challenges and when I need to be reminded to be thankful. Um, our co-ed team are, is, consists of eight individuals who are so different, but so good together. And as I like to say, you can't do epic stuff, Chris, I didn't swear, with basic people. Um, <laughs> we've been working remotely for two and a half months and are mostly back in the office, still with some hybrid of work from home. And at the beginning of the pandemic, when things were so scary and the weight of the world would make you wake up in the middle of the night, this team focused. And I told them I couldn't think of another organization that had the sound relationships and ear to the ground like we did and that we had to do, we had had to use that to help our community. And think about it, you're all doing this too. Industries, entrepreneurs, schools, the film sector, small businesses. We communicated, we listened, we made connections, and we worked around the clock. And our little team stuck together and lifted each other up when one of us would get frustrated or overwhelmed. Which brings me to the next bulletin board piece. These individuals use their unique strengths to bring the, the community together. And you know, no one is you and that is your superpower. And so working with our boards and our city partners and our businesses, we took the hardships and feedback and put together or adapted our programs and events to match their needs. We've helped companies navigate the stimulus package, supply chain issues, furloughs, layoffs, and helping those growing companies that are struggling with needing additional employees while operating safely. We used our one-stop shop career center on our website and social media to highlight companies that were hiring one hiring post was shared 157 times, and that definitely shows the power of a job. We also partnered with our local chamber to offer webinars and combined our COVID-19 resource page messaging so that we could send um, consistent information out to the community. Another resource that we've spent the last week launching under Heath Tiffin's leadership and help from our cities is a GIS-based web, uh, website listing We've loaded about 190 Cherokee businesses to this site so that we can have another one-stop shop, a place where residents and visitors can go to see what businesses have reopened, what their hours are, and any special promotions. Um, I know Fayette County Development Authority has the same resource. Supporting our local businesses is more important than ever, so we wanna make it as easy as possible for businesses to connect with customers and for our residents to find jobs. And speaking of local businesses, Jonathan Chambers, our entrepreneurship manager, started an entrepreneurship story series to highlight locals, how they're making it, and words of inspiration. So y'all can check those off on our website. He's also continued our One Million Cups program through the Kauffman Foundation, virtually, of course. And we've been doing a ton of support through our NAV program, which is the North Atlanta Venture Mentoring Service. And that's our sister program with MIT. A lot of our ventures need their team of mentors now more than ever. And I wanted to make note, this is not just a Cherokee County service. So if you know companies that would benefit from a team of highly skilled and experienced mentors from around the region, please let us know. And if you've been to our office, you know that we're located on the Chattahoochee Tech campus in downtown Woodstock, along with Woodstock Economic Development. 
And together we operate the circuit, which was Cherokee's first co-working space that includes a cafe in partnership with Alma Coffee. So just like our companies, we're figuring out how to open safely and what impacts COVID has on space planning, architectural design, and the real estate market in general going forward. On a lighter note, we ended up with a marketing intern who was set to study abroad this summer in Seoul, South Korea. Woodstock resident Taryn Cox from Berry College has been a great help to us and her loss was our gain. She's helped us develop our first film locations piece and we're now working with one of our local startups, Black Airplane, to make this into an app to encourage locals and visitors to get out and see what Georgia-based films were shot in Cherokee County. And as a side note, and Chris, I think you actually posted this on your Facebook, um, Just Mercy, which had seen shot in Cherokee, is now being offered for free. It's a great movie and very relevant during these times. And if you haven't binged on The Outsider or Ozark or Dolly Parton's Heartstrings, it's time. Do it tonight. Um, Taryn and her father, Tom Cox, took some of our Cherokee by Choice brand elements and transformed them into a coloring book and a summer staycation piece, highlighting some of Cherokee's best attractions. Mental health is of utmost importance. So if this can bring some joy to kids and adults and encourage visitors to visit our attractions safely, of course, then it's a win-win. And before I wrap, I wanna leave you with one last note from my bulletin board. And this is be the things you love most about the people who are gone. And my dad passed six years ago and being the only girl amongst a family of boys, I was a daddy's girl. And my dad had a gift of not judging people and saying exactly what he meant. And in the environment we are in today, we must embrace our differences, speak meaningfully and with purpose. And once again, my daddy was right. So thank you for letting me be with you all today. And thank you for what you're doing to make Georgia be the best it can be. Thanks. Thank you, Misty. I will ask if there you go to unshare. Jana, tell us about what's happening in, in Ware County down in our, our good friends down in the swamp. First, I want to thank you for having us, Chris, and thank you for all that you and your team are doing for the state. Without organizations like you in the department, we wouldn't be successful um, anywhere in the state. So I want to thank you for that. Um, for those of you who may not know where Waycross and Ware County is located, we are uh, in the heart of southeast Georgia, about two hours northeast of Jacksonville. We're home of the Okefenokee Swamp in the Rye CSX Shard. Um, as Missy said earlier, we uh, kind of tend to gravitate towards rail served communities. We have several mobile home manufacturers. And our overall community population is that of 35,000. So we kind of uh, represent rural Georgia, if you will, and we are proud to be that representative today on the um, call. Earlier this week when we were talking, Morgan asked, how has COVID impacted our community and you know, what has, how has it changed what we've done as a development authority? And the easiest way for me to describe that is we had to call an audible. Um, we were definitely in our game plan, had, had gone, gone to play and hit a, hit a fast stop. And so we had to call an audible almost immediately. Um, from that, we looked back and thought about, you know, what is it that our community needs? Ours is different than some of those that are more in the um, more metropolitan areas. So we had to kind of identify that. 
Um, we were at the time meeting with project managers, meeting with our legislators, doing our business retention and expansion programs that were traditional, but that wasn't going to work anymore because the communities had all been shut down. So um, we had to figure out how we had to move forward. And so we took a step back and um, in the process of all this, let's be honest, we were all becoming full-time educators too. Um, we were having to teach our children the whatever curriculum was left over. And so it was, it was not an easy season for any of us, I believe. Um, but what we did, and I did not get paid for this endorsement, is we took it back to Chamber 101. It became about relationships, relationships, relationships. Um, you often hear location, location, location in real estate and in economic development. Well, the two very much fell quickly together. And um, for those of us who don't have access to the budgets that others may have, we had to find that warm and fuzzy and what we did have to offer. Um, so we became that immediate point person. You always hear you need to have one person in your community that serves as that point person for economic development. And our phone started ringing. Everybody wanted to know what the orders meant, how they applied to their businesses. Um, many of our businesses did not shut down. Um, we were had a ton of essential businesses that are in our industrial park. So we had to navigate how the procedures that were put in place by the governor would play into the businesses and industries here in our industrial park. Um, so serving as that point person really became key for us. Um, we, we were a concierge of sorts, if you will. We would put together whatever the businesses needed. We have one business that was planning on an expansion right out of a 12,000 square foot expansion, a um, couple of million dollars, and that got put on hold and almost to the point where they, they were closing. So we had to reach out to our legislators and find out what we could do as a community and as a state to help this business. They, they serve restaurants, they were a food industry business. So, you know, they looked to us as that resource and, and we were able to, and have been thankfully able to through the relationships that we've established to serve as that liaison and that concierge kind of putting things together. We've served as a therapist for family members who didn't understand why their employees were still, their family members were having to go to work. Um, we very early on were able to get with our businesses and obtain their standard operating procedures for this new season. Um, one thing I would encourage my friends that are in economic development, if you do not have this, is to establish uh, an opportunity to get those standard operating procedures in an order that you can understand because I got a call at 11 o'clock from the Department of Economic Development wanting to know about some of these and it was very easy for us to share that information because we had already gathered it and had it in an easily accessible database and we were able to share that with the governor's office as well as the department when we received the calls. It helped us with our city and county commissioners because they also are receiving those calls and um, just overall ease of access having that readily on hand and of course these things changed and as they changed they updated us with them but it was it was really nice to have that early on we are a two office staff um, it's myself and Calissa and so we was kind of divided and conquered uh, Calissa came into the office every day during the shutdown 
I worked from home from a large portion of it because I have a child that's at risk. So um, worked at home a lot more, but we established immediately within the first week a COVID resource page on our website that most of our community used as their link. We had local, state, federal programs, just like everybody else. I know that all my economic development friends on the call, each of you did the same thing. So I'm preaching to the choir. We developed a survey to determine what our businesses needed and wanted. And from that, we started implementing programs that would work for them. We added additional layers to our website to show the impact of COVID on our community, not only from businesses that were open and shut, but also just the overall impact that we had. Um, and we were able to do that through our property management GIS planning as well. What did we learn quickly? We learned that Zoom did not work for our community. Um, everybody was going to Zoom and thought that it was the next, next best thing, but because we had essential workers, they didn't have time to talk to us on Zoom. What works for our businesses and industries are text messages. I can text message all of my plant managers and they reply back within seconds, if not minutes. Um, it's just the easiest way for us to communicate with them. They like it better. Um, we in turn follow up with an email and calls and other things as well, but we just found that it did not work for us to do a Zoom meeting with all of our individuals together. And that carries over to the HR managers and to the production managers as well. Um, it's just easier that, that the text messages work for us. Again, we became that line of information source and in working with our elected officials. Um, we were business as usual. And in, in addition to that, we know that because of the density in some areas that, that there were higher cases that, than what we experienced in South Georgia. So we knew that businesses and industries were gonna be looking at South Georgia as an opportunity for development. So we continue to move forward with momentum because we can stay six feet away from each other a lot easier down here. And um, so we continued working with the Deputy Commissioner for Rural Economic Development. She's been in touch with us constantly, Michelle Shaw, Kelly Lane, Jason Coley, all of our reps were very much on, in touch with us. Uh, we timbered a 23 acre site. Um, we've completed phase one of a site that we have that is a a one Georgia grant and rail serve site. As a friend of mine like to say, likes to say, uh, we moved the yellow equipment, Chris. Um, we extended water and sewer infrastructure to sites. And we, we actually have met virtually with a couple of site selectors in the last couple of weeks and we've hosted two prospects. So um, we didn't stop, although we did kind of change the way we were working. Um, now to take the chamber rose colored glasses off real quick, and let's talk about what we what we need and what we need to focus on as a future. Um, we, as our statute, it states that we're for industrial development and large development, but there's not anyone in our community who services that small business entrepreneur gap and provides programs and services, resources for that. Um, our chamber does a good job with the, some of that. And so we need to look at who's going to take the lead on that in the future and how will that look as a community? Um, maybe looking at partnering with similar organizations also because of the size of our community. Rural broadband. Our students couldn't continue the at-home learning because most of them did not have access to internet. 
I know our legislators have done a lot for rural broadband, but that is, it has become something that is at the forefront of concerns for us in, in rural Georgia. And census, 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 um, we need to make sure that we have adequate counts for PPE equipment. We need to make sure that we have a plan of action for the future. Um, we, we know that our census numbers are not accurate. So again, Calissa, who works with me, has taken the leadership on that and we have really taken our census campaign and have turned it into a social media type campaign. We're filming some of our local officials. We are doing just a, a much larger pool on the census. And we've also learned, Chris, that we need to start having quarterly meetings as a community because it was identified very quickly that there were some key people in our community that didn't have each other's contact information. So, um, you know, we've, we've learned that we've, we've got a little thing, you know, a little bit that we need to change as a community, but we've, we're very excited and pleased and thankful that we've been as fortunate during this season um, as we have been. Thank you, Ms. Jana. And we're going to come back with some questions for you in just a minute. Chris, tell us about uh, how busy you've been with all your projects in, in Douglas County. Yes, sir. Be, be happy to. And thanks for having us, um, having us be a part of this great panel this afternoon. And uh, I first want to commend uh, the chamber um, and, the, and the partnership with the Black Chambers as well and in your response um, to, to, to this issue of race, um, to what's happening um, in our state and around our country. Um, I do believe that there is a significant role for us as economic developers um, to, to play a significant part in, uh, in this space. Um, it's, it's an issue that I think, you know, even the COVID-19 pandemic has really exasperated the, the issue of equity and, and racial inequality and what have you when you look at the disproportionate effects that it has had um, on, on particular people of color. So uh, much kudos you know, to you all uh, for that. Um, as Jenna said, you know, this um, you know, pandemic has really you know, forced us into a bit of an audible. Um, but I believe you know, us as economic developers, we're kind of accustomed to doing, to always having to adapt and do things very differently. Um, and so this, you know, whereas this is, extreme, is an extreme you know, circumstance, that not only affects us kind of in our professional lives, but also our personal lives. Um, I believe we all have kind of taken our own approach to how we can, you know, better help and, and be a resource for our community and our businesses. Um, so, you know, first and foremost, you know, it's partnerships and relationships. And that, that's really the, the foundation of, of what we do um, is having those key partnerships. And, and, and we've been able to utilize those. Um, we've um, worked really closely with our chamber, um, which we have been working closely with over the year, um, in setting up um, what we call the Douglas Strong Recovery Fund. Um, this was an opportunity for us to support um, the healthcare workers who are working at our hospital, that's Wellstar Douglas. Um, and it was also an opportunity to get um, business going into some of our restaurants that were um, grossly affected, you know, by this pandemic, you know, early on. Um, so with that, uh, we were able to raise over $50,000 to support, um, to those funds went to those restaurants. Um, we were able to purchase box meals to provide to the healthcare uh, workers at Wellstar as they were working continuously around the clock. So that was a, an, an example of a great partnership. 
Um, one of the other things, that, and I'll piggyback on kind of the thing that Jana mentioned, we typically as an economic development authority had really been focused on large business development. You know, we have, we're working on things to get more into small business, but this really accelerated um, our plans to affect, you know, our smaller businesses, um, building the relationships there. Um, once again, working with the chamber, that's kind of been their bread and butter, but we got very much involved in that process with them. Um, sending out surveys, our team being on phone calls, talking to business owners, large and small, really getting an understanding about what's happening out there and how we can bring resources to the table. It's the same thing that we're all seeing. What are the resources from the SBA? You know, the best that we can do explain what we know about PPP and what have you. Um, and I still don't know all of it, but at least we're able to bring all the key partners together to, to help um, explain that. So we reached over 450 businesses kind of through that process. Um, we sent out postcards from our mayor and chair um, uh, and chamber, you know, just getting info out to all of our businesses so that they knew that we were there for them. Um, but what also is, you know, what did not stop, it may have slowed but not stopped, is the project activity is still there. Um, one, uh, one of the sectors that we have really focused a lot on over the last several years has been data centers. And if you can think of one industry that is that is benefiting the most from this work from home, it, it is the, the mission critical data center um, sector. Um, we've had new projects come in the door that are looking for new sites to develop more data centers. Um, but, you know, we, we started this process, you know, years ago where you're moving to, you know, mobile pay, you're moving to more telecommute, you're moving to all of these things on the digital platform this coronavirus pandemic has just accelerated our, um, accelerated the movement towards those things, which is in essence accelerating that sector. So we're gonna to continue to see data centers um, development, you know, across, across the globe. And we're hopeful that we see more of that here in Douglas. Um, so so that, that sector is still moving. There's still projects coming in the door. We have had some that have stalled um, because of the inability to travel or, or, or what have you. Um, so, you know, but we're working through those things, but the RFIs are continuing to come in the door and we're getting some leases that are signed as well. So the industrial sector um, is growing. So just as much as data centers are growing, e-commerce and distribution is a segment that is going to continue to grow and also in the food sector as well. So those are, I'd say, kind of the three hot markets, food, e-commerce, data centers, are really going gang, um, gangbusters right now. One of the negative impacts that it has had on us, you know, we have been, you know, looking into how do we make critical investments into the community, and those are investments in the infrastructure, you know, and there's a number of tools that are out there um, in order to provide funding, you know, public funding for those things. I believe this pandemic has really kind of maybe hindered a little bit of that, you know, our ability to pursue some of those tools simply because of the economic environment that we're in. You know, our cities, you know, and, and counties, you know, from a sales tax you know, perspective, you know, are, are losing, you know, dollars as it relates to that. You know, what's going to be the, the outcome of the valuation on real, on real property, you know, going forward? A lot of things that have to come into effect that obviously in, um, affect public infrastructure investment. But, you know, we're, we're still moving forward on some of the properties that we have control on trying to get the master plans redone for that. 
um, pursuing some of the EDA funds that will allow us to, you know, redo some of our master plans and then moving those efforts forward. Um, it's also given us the opportunity to, you know, make sure that we're still in front of our state level and regional project managers, uh, making sure that they know what opportunities exist in Douglas. So we, a couple weeks ago, um, we kind of unveiled our new marketing collateral that we did and we hosted a Wednesday wind down. Um, emphasis on the wine, W-I-N-E. Um, and so that was an opportunity for, you know, everyone to kind of, you know, socialize, you know, around, um, you know, a, a nice, nice bubble of bubbly beverage. Um, and just really us just sharing, you know, with them what our assets are, um, what we're doing, you know, to support them, how we're updating, you know, all of our, you know, information on our websites and, you know, virtual opportunities and what have you, just ensuring that we're top of mind. Uh, for that. So we didn't want to just take this um, situation as to mean that we couldn't connect, you know, figuring out how to connect. How do we make that audible? We had planned to be in Midtown making a presentation. We pulled an audible. Let's do it virtually. And I believe it worked out uh, really well for us. So I would just encourage everyone to, to not, you know, just use this as a moment to just sit back, um, but really plug in even more and be creative um, in how we engage. So um, that's a little bit about what's going on in Douglas. Thank you, Chris. I appreciate it. Uh, Commissioner, you've been waiting patiently and I know you got a lot to say, but I do on behalf of the business community of Georgia, I want to thank you and your leadership and your team through this crisis. You guys, I, I know have been there from the very beginning about, you know, keeping essential businesses open, how to help all businesses, except for those, that small group of about 20,000 to be open. Uh, and you guys have been just such a resource for us that we, we just can't ever say thank you enough, Pat. So um, thank you. We've been blessed to have you in that leadership role there through this difficult time, uh, as well as the governor where he is. So um, please tell us kind of where we are today and what you guys are seeing. Yeah, absolutely. Chris, um, thanks for uh, those kind words. And, and of course, uh, we've got a, an amazing team at the department. And uh, one of the things that has been really uh, terrific for me to see is how everybody here really banded together uh, to, to tackle some of the issues that we've been tasked with. Of course, there's no playbook for, uh, for what we've been dealing with, um, but it really is awesome to see the amazing partnerships uh, and the people who've worked very hard and tirelessly to, to try to keep things uh, going economically in the state. Uh, so as Chris said, I'm Pat Wilson, I'm the Commissioner of the Georgia Department of Economic Development. Um, and I tell you, the, the three uh, other panelists that you've got on the, the panel today really are uh, some of the best in the state. And they do an amazing job representing their communities. And, and uh, you know, it's nice for me to hear what is going on uh, individually in, in uh, really some of the, the communities that are making a difference uh, in, in driving uh, a lot of our job creation in the state. Uh, but it's funny, I've been sitting here listening. Uh, of course, I was paying attention the entire time, uh, but I was getting a number of texts of people commenting on my uh, on my Bulldog shirt today. And I, as somebody who um, has spent a lot of time with uh, Chris Clark, I knew that I couldn't compete with whatever Chris was gonna wear today. So I just decided I'd wear a Bulldog shirt. Uh, and if you, or also like me, I found myself watching the 2012 Little League World Series this weekend because I am absolutely uh, jonesing for some 
uh, for some live action sports. And so um, I'm just going to talk about the Bulldogs a little bit. So go dogs. Um, Chris, I want to do, I do want to thank you for uh, pulling this together. Um, you know, this is, there is no more critical time right now for economic developers in the state than right now as we try to grow jobs and we try to uh, come out of, of uh, really an unprecedented uh, situation. Uh, but I, I'd be remiss if I didn't also thank you for the comments that you made uh, to open this up on the current racial issues that we as a state and as a community um, and really uh, as a country in the world are tackling right now. And to Chris, Chris Pumphrey's point, I do think that we as economic developers and leaders in the community uh, have a role to play right now uh, as we try to bring people together and help provide hope and opportunity uh, across our communities. And uh, I do think it's very important uh, for those of us uh, in these roles to continue to work in that direction. And uh, as somebody who was in the office yesterday and uh, witnessed and saw uh, the march down Spring Street, um, it was a uh, peaceful and impactful protest. And I, I do want to say that what I saw was uh, was pretty amazing. So, Chris, thank you for uh, for what you've done uh, and what the chamber is doing uh, across the state to help bring us back together. Um, so I do want to say uh, again, thanks to the communities uh, that are participating today. Uh, we, as a state, can't do what we do without that that leg in the stool that is the community participation uh, and really. Uh, what we have seen during this time is that communities have continued to be um, forward thinking and work on opportunities using uh, what we thought was going to be some downtime. I mean, how in the world could we continue to do economic development um, with uh, when we can't travel, when we can't visit, when companies can't visit communities? Uh, but to all of the, the economic developers who've spoken today, we have not seen a, a really a lack in, uh, in activity. It's things have continued to move. Uh, things have continued to uh, keep driving. And that to me is a great sign of what uh, is to come. Uh, but how amazing is it that we can do things like this and continue to talk to each other and communicate not only amongst uh, the state and the regional teams, but also uh, you think to the, the, all the work that we're doing with companies now via Microsoft Teams or Zoom or WebEx, uh, all the, uh, the drone footage that we're showing, the virtual tours of communities. And I really appreciate our utility partners uh, and the communities for investing uh, actually before all of this. Uh, to be forward-thinking and in, in investing in drone footage of sites. Uh, this has allowed us as a state to continue to do business as usual. And you know that is extremely important as we've seen companies continue to want to make investments. Uh, but I tell you, I'm, I'm tired of the Zoom calls. I'm, I'm not going to lie. I would love a face-to-face -face, uh, meeting with any one of you. But uh, we appreciate the work that you've done to continue to 
make our companies and our uh, economic developers safe as they visited your communities. So as, as everybody has kind of talked about today, you know, the, the great thing that, that in all of this, kind of the silver lining, is that the state of Georgia had experienced really unprecedented uh, growth and success over the last eight years. Uh, 800,000 new jobs, billions of dollars of investment from companies, uh, and it is a diverse economy. Uh, we saw growth in literally every uh, sector in the state. And of course, we never uh, want to experience what we're experiencing now, but that diversity and that strength of the economy allows us to not only weather it, uh, I think, uh, a little easier than some of our uh, surrounding states, but also to be more and better prepared for growth coming out of, of where we are right now. Um, and so the department uh, remains committed to uh, to that piece. We we are committed to being prepared to help uh, communities and companies grow uh, coming out of, of this crisis. And of course, our existing industry base is first and foremost. Uh, and we continue to work with existing industry across the state uh, as they are, are trying to prepare for some sense of normalcy, people and companies beginning to come back. Uh, even though we, we as a state never closed uh, manufacturing uh, or companies, minus the the uh, you know 20 or so uh, different designations in the executive order, like bars and barbershops. Uh, the state never closed companies. Companies had to make the decision whether they were critical infrastructure or non-critical infrastructure, and of course, then if they were non-critical, had to abide by uh, the CDC's rules and regulations for operation. And so what we have seen is I think that companies are better prepared uh, as we begin to move back into phased reopening. Uh, and so I commend the governor and his team uh, for their work there. And, and uh, you know, I have to say uh, too, that I wanna say a special thanks to Dr. Kathleen Toomey and Director Homer Bryson uh, for DPH and uh, GEMA uh, respectively who have done a tremendous job. And I, I am, uh, you know, Dr. Toomey, as somebody who has gotten to know her through this crisis, I am very appreciative that she is where she is uh, right now. She is a fantastic asset for the state of Georgia. Um, and so part of the, the uh, what we at the department have been doing, and we've been tasked by uh, the governor's team with really three critical missions. Um, you know, we were to originally help find suppliers in the state for PPE um, and really to help meet the gaps uh, that we were experiencing in the beginning of the crisis. Um, and so we worked with DPH and GEMA uh, to help identify companies in Georgia uh, that could help uh, find us those supplies. Uh, second, uh, we helped determine which industries were critical and non-critical. And I've worked with a number of you uh, during the last uh, few weeks, a uh, few months now, um, on that issue and helping companies define themselves and then navigate, of course, the rules and regulations uh, that have been outlined by the CDC. And then finally, um, the governor asked us to find manufacturers who are willing to transition uh, into production of PPE uh, and help them get up and running 
and connected to customers. And we did this in a phased approach first uh, to the state, uh, GEMA and the team that was uh, really kind of the, the initial action team. Uh, and then it was to hospitals and uh, in our, uh, you know, really communities. And then lastly, we've opened that up to businesses. And, you know, one of the things that we have seen um, from businesses, uh, the, one of the continuing comments that we're getting uh, is that in order to be back up and running, uh, in order to uh, wade back into, um, into some sense of normalcy, and bring people back into the office and customers back into stores is that we really need to have uh, to, to feel a level of comfort and security uh, that our people are going to be safe. And so uh, finding manufacturers who are able to transition, consolidating all of those uh, companies into a list uh, and then making that publicly available, uh, it really serves twofold. Uh, helping companies, of course, acquire what they need uh, to come back into production. Uh, and then it's keeping the Georgia dollar at home. Georgia companies are able to spend money on Georgia companies that are producing PPE. And so that has been a pretty uh, fantastic uh, project that the governor has given the department. Uh, I want to say thanks to Burt Brantley uh, and the team who've really done a terrific role in uh, heading that up. Uh, and, and uh, organizing um, Abby Toronto and our marketing team um, and, and really our existing industry team based out in your regions uh, and the centers of innovation have been the backbone of consolidating a lot of those uh, because of their relationships. And I really can't say enough about, again, the teamwork at the department that has uh, come together um, to, to really help compile those things. But, um, you know, one of the things that, that is heartening for me as a Georgian, as a lifelong Georgian, is to see Georgia companies uh, investing in themselves, making changes, and doing it for the good of the state. Uh, and that is uh, something that's pretty special, and I've enjoyed seeing that. Um, so if, you, if any of you follow me on LinkedIn uh, or uh, Twitter or um, uh, Facebook, you'll know that I focus on good news. Um, I really, during all of this time, uh, there's every time you turn on the TV, there's nothing but bad news. And so uh, I've really focused on trying to share some of the great stories that have come out of uh, this crisis. Uh, and we've had amazing stories across the state, uh, from companies pivoting of like Kia to make face masks to uh, Siemens Corporation working on uh, vaccines and, and antibody tests. And I mean, there have been some great things that have happened um, across the state, and we like to, to talk about those things. Um, and, and at least from an economic development standpoint, the good news has continued. Uh, and you know, it's, I think Scott McMurray, our deputy commissioner, said this uh, from the beginning. Uh, you know, our momentum was unbelievable. And it took a global camp pandemic to slow the state down. And so uh, we have slowed down, and I want to say that, uh, not in activity, I think in decision-making, which is understandable. Uh, if you're a company investing millions of dollars and looking at a 20 to 30-year long-term partnership with a community, you want to come here, you want to see the state, you want to meet the people who are going to support you. And I get that. There's only so much that we can do virtually. 
Um, and because of the amount of activity that we've seen, I believe that you'll see a number of quick decisions once we get back to a sense of normalcy. Um, once the pandemic hit, uh, you know, we really had a, a very robust pipeline. Uh, things were going well in the state. And, um, and, you know, we have seen kind of the fruits of that effort pay off over the last few weeks as companies continue to make decisions. Uh, Microsoft created, uh, announced last week that we're creating 1,500 uh, new jobs here in Atlanta. Uh, High-paying, high-tech jobs focusing on cloud computing. Amazon announced 800 new jobs in Columbia County. Um, you know, we've had really major announcements uh, in every part of the state. And the great thing is um, the, these jobs have been in a varied uh, range of, of industries um, which makes us feel good that we're continuing to maintain that diversity from manufacturing to biotechnology to software development. Um, we've had rural announcements, uh, track on tufters, um, you know, in Northwest Georgia, uh, which, you know, is, is pretty fantastic uh, to put that in uh, Chattooga County. Uh, Wally Floors announced last week in Murray County. And I want to highlight that, um, one second because that is the first uh well second but uh, really biggest announcement that we've had around the state's investment in the inland port uh in murray county uh and i think that what you're going to see is only uh more excitement and more growth coming around that inland port and so i want to congratulate our friends at the georgia ports authority for their uh, long, uh, long-term vision in making that investment because you know, not only does that uh, help companies move their product faster, but it gets trucks off the road uh, coming around the city of Atlanta. Uh, A1 roof trusses uh, in Decatur County and Bainbridge, uh, you know, Southwest Georgia, and then Batter Up Foods coming into Fulton County uh, was another uh, great announcement. So um, we continue to see a lot of excitement and a lot of opportunity and, and you know what i think that goes back to and and and, and really uh continues to to be our winning formula are a our logistics b uh, our great business climate and thanks to our chamber representatives for helping with that uh, our outstanding workforce uh and and then finally really tremendous communities and product to sell and so, uh, you know, that's one thing that we uh, can continue to count on and, uh, and really has been that winning formula for a long time. Some of the, like Chris Pumphrey said, uh, we're seeing some growth sectors through this. Uh, healthcare, of course, is very important. Um, and, and the health sectors are continuing to grow. Um, the e-logistics, I don't know if you're like me, but I am purchasing more online than I ever have in my life. Uh, I've never liked going to a store to begin with, uh, and I'm sorry for my retailers out there. I'm not a good shopper, um, but I've purchased a lot of things online, and I, I know that, that uh, e-retail and, uh, and e-fulfillment is a booming industry in the state. Uh, that said, uh, I will go to an Ace Hardware tomorrow uh, and make sure that I spend my time in there. Um, uh, cybersecurity, fintech. Uh, of course, with online uh, shopping comes uh, protecting it, and, and of course, the transactional piece uh, continues to be a major growing sector for Georgia. Um, and then 
one of the things that, and I, you know, I've got a 13 year old at home and I left him sitting there this morning playing Fortnite. The video game industry is booming. And whether it's video game creation or esports, uh, we're seeing that grow uh, in Georgia uh, and, and grow very quickly. And so that is something uh, that I think that, that is going to continue to only uh, grow. And, it, and it's really, it's shocking to me because I hate watching people play video games. But, uh, but there is a, a, an industry out there of people who love to pay to watch people play games. I don't get it. Um, explore Georgia. I want to talk a little bit about tourism. Uh, you know, we obviously, I, I think, and from talking anecdotally to people around the state, uh, the tourism industry has been decimated probably more than any other industry. And if you're looking at a $66 billion industry to the state of Georgia, it's going to have a, an impact. And the only way that we can get our economy back up and running um, and really to continue to diversify that economy and grow it is to get people visiting the state of Georgia again. <clears throat> and last year we had 111 people visit the state of Georgia. Uh, that is an amazing number of people that are traveling to every corner of the state and just leaving their money and they're going home. And so being able to <clears throat> bring people back to Georgia and put heads in hotel beds and put them in our restaurants and put them in your shops and your bed and breakfast and visiting distilleries and wineries and breweries around the state, that's extremely important. <clears throat> and so our um, tourism marketing team at Explore Georgia uh, really, of course, we had to be sensitive to uh, the, the kind of the current um, the things that are going on in the world. And so we pulled back our marketing. Uh, but what you're seeing right now is a refocus on Explore Georgia from home, um, a way to talk to travelers while they are sitting at their computers uh, working and give them an opportunity to look at the things that make this state so unique and beautiful um, from home and hopefully be able to travel here soon on our friends from Delta uh, or uh, drive time markets uh, all around us. And so those things were, you know, you could put Zoom backgrounds uh, from uh, videos or pictures from all over the state. Uh, we had great news stories, blogs up uh, on our website. And then as somebody who is addicted uh, to puzzles, um, I really like puzzles but uh, being able to do digital puzzles from around the state on our website, and I encourage you to go check that out. It's, it is you know, absolutely addictive and something that, I, that helps me uh, lower my stress. But you would, uh, it, it is great, and it's been thinking outside of the box from our, our team here um, that has clearly filled the need uh, for travelers because we've had a, a just exponential growth in uh, clicks on our website as people have looked over uh, the opportunities to travel. So hopefully, uh, as we begin to to change and grow back, we'll be able to tap into some of that pent-up travel and opportunity uh, as people will hopefully come and, and visit the state of Georgia and continue to experience what makes us uh, unique and, and beautiful. And I want to thank the, the team there and really all of our partners across the state. Uh, just know that we're here to help uh, and uh, I feel like we're very po well positioned um, as travel begins to be uh, to, to come back uh, into some sense of normalcy. Um, and I'm going to just very quickly say thanks to our trade team 
that continues to work with um, companies across the state to help them uh, find and, and pivot what are uh, very unprecedented and and um, and really uh, uh, you know uh, unique uh, times in international trade. Not only are we dealing with, of course, uh, you know changing um, uh, changing taxes and tariffs across the world, uh, but uh, of course the the lack of freight cargo moving, the lack of of, of um, uh, containers moving back and forth from Asia uh, and Europe has really made this a challenging time. And my my team here at the department has continued to work with small businesses and companies all over the state to help them navigate uh, this this time. And then lastly, I wanted to touch on film and the arts. Um, you know, we are the film division and in, in, in uh, here at the department has been working overtime. Uh, to help companies navigate what is going to be a very trying time uh, to come back into production in the state, to protect their talent and protect their crew, uh, protect the Georgians that are working on these films. And so the department has published a list of guidelines to help companies navigate these. Uh, and they did that through working with the Department of Public Health and, of course, the studios, which continue to, uh, to film here in Georgia. And a number of them had comments and concerns, and we've worked with them to make sure that that I believe we have a set of guidelines that are workable, uh, that make sense, uh, but but first and foremost protect the people uh, that are going to be working on these shows. And so I, I think you're going to see um, you'll see filming very quickly start to come back as we make a transition into phase one and phase two of of uh, recovery. Uh, one of the great things is that uh, California and New York have continued to uh, be on complete lockdown for filming, and this is going to give us an opportunity to continue to grow that business uh, here in Georgia. And then the arts, um, we all know that the arts community has been decimated through this as well. Many small arts organizations have gone out of business uh, and may never come back. And so Karen Patey and our team at the Georgia Council for the Arts have done an amazing job of being able to help uh, these organizations through funneling the CARES Act money, the, the grants that have come out of the federal government back into businesses who need it. And, uh, and you know, we at the department will stand ready uh, to work with our arts and humanities um, uh, companies and, and nonprofits and small businesses across the state as we uh, grow back into uh, into some sense of normalcy. So, uh, Chris, I'll leave it there. I wanted to touch on all the departments, but thanks again for uh, for hosting us today. Thanks, Commissioner, and we appreciate all the work of all your different teams. I know we're about to run out of time, so I just have one quick question left. I'll let Jana, Chris, and Misty answer this real quick. You guys are out there talking to your businesses, your, your industries every day. You're doing your existing industry work. You're also working with small businesses. Uh, we're hearing from them several different needs. I'm curious, what's the number one or top two things that your businesses are telling you that they need in order to ramp back up, reopen, and get back to the level they were at before? And, you know, we've heard everything from liability protection to workforce issues. I'm curious, what are you hearing? Jan, I'll, I'll let you go first, and then Chris, and then Misty, you can wrap us up. 
the number one thing that we hear, Chris, is uh, workforce issues. Uh, a lot of people were able to receive the monies and didn't come back to work. And so having to fill that gap and um, the other issues that we hear are just understanding the new walls that are coming down the pipeline and having one source to utilize to kind of funnel those uh, regulations, guidelines, if you will. Okay, thank you. Chris, what about you guys? Yeah, uh, similar things, and you know, I would add on to that childcare, um, mm -hmm. waiting on those PPP funds. <laughs> that sounds like it ought to be a song, waiting on the PPP. <laughs> <laughs> Misty, what about you guys up in, in Cherokee? Um, a, a lot of the same. We've had companies that are having a hard time with their production um, jobs, those that are that are hiring right now. So um, getting people to want to come back to work. So both the service, um, service sector and the industries are both struggling with that right now. So I think until um, as long as the um, unemployment benefits are higher and the stimulus package money is still out, then they're probably going to struggle to fill those positions um, for now. And another thing I'm, I meant to mention earlier, um, and probably a lot of the, the counties are doing this, but we are um, working on a small business grant fund for 20 or less employees um, through the CARES Act that's through CDBG with Cherokee County government. And so we'll have about 300,000 that we're going to put into job retention of low to moderate income jobs. And so we hope that'll help those restaurants and some of those smaller industries um, that, that are hiring um, in the low to mod um, income levels um, and help with some business continuity there. And we're, we're doing the same thing. We've raised about $245,000 so far. Wow. Well, listen, guys, thanks to all of you for, for what you're doing at the local level. Pat, you and your team at the state level, uh, I agree with your point. There's never been a time that what the, the work of economic developers has been more critical as we seek to reopen the, the state. Uh, I want to thank uh, our resiliency and recovery and, uh, task force here at the chamber. Uh, if you're interested in being part of that, just let us know. Also want to thank our friends at Deloitte who are advising us through this reopening uh, and recovery standpoint. Uh, we do have a town hall meeting tomorrow with Morning Consult to talk about consumer confidence and we'll have a program actually that the chamber will, will uh, launch next week to help build consumer confidence as well and we'll bring you more information there. And our next resiliency roundtable will be a fun one. Everybody on this call I think can appreciate it. It'll be next Wednesday, June 10th, 1 to 2 with the craft brewers of Georgia and a round table about how they've survived change, been a part of this, uh, making hand sanitizer and how they're going to come back because as we all know, we love our earlier and earlier cocktail hours now uh, on lockdown. So uh, thanks for all of you for being here. Uh, thank you for what you do for the state of Georgia and for all those that are on our call. Thank you as well. May God continue to bless our state. Thanks guys. Really appreciate it.